the first Sunday that I was watching the games on TV and I was just sitting there. I was like, man, this is weird. Like I haven't, haven't watched a game from, from TV in a few years. It's a completely different view from the couch other than the sidelines. Like, I don't, let's, let's not do this again. What is an NFL quarterback rule like? So two years ago, I trained Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Kyle Allen. That was my draft class. I think that this league is filled with opportunities and the guys that, that stay in the league for a long time are the guys that take advantage of those opportunities. I'm just a big believer in repetition. And I'm a big team guy and goals never end. I'm just a big, 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 big team guy and I stepped on that field today. That was good, man. Welcome to the room. This is episode 18, including bye weeks. That's a full NFL season right there. My good friend Kyle Allen of the Houston Texans. If this is your first time to the show, this is the QB room. This is the room. This is the most important room in any building. If this room's dialed, you got a chance. If it's not, you're done. And uh, we're each week bringing in quarterbacks from starting teams. We brought in folks who are experts in the space. This episode, very special episode. I'm in Dallas. I work with the XFL, curating development across all eight teams. We're going to bring on two very special guests, two quarterbacks that are in the XFL. Now, this is not going to be an XFL-centric episode, but we're going to use this time to talk to two players who are in the XFL about really what a journeyman is. It's a term that every football fan knows. This guy's a journeyman. That guy's a journeyman over there, right? But like, what does that mean? What does the life look like? So we're going to dive in. Ben DiNucci, Cole McDonald, two guys who've been on NFL rosters. Ben DiNucci's had some starts in the league. We're going to unpack some of that today. And we're going to have some deeper discussions around what's happening in football as well. Kyle Allen, we've known each other a long time since Kyle was in high school. I played in the league. I was a coach, coach a lot of the top players in the country right now in high school, college, and pro. Uh, Kyle's doing it at the highest level, one of very few people who get to play in the NFL. Kyle, how you doing, man? Doing good. Welcome back to 18 of The Room, 18 episodes, man. We started this in... During training camp, you know, just with a dream of just trying to put out one episode a week with some of the best quarterbacks, it's turned into a lot of great conversations, a lot of great short form clips that people seem to love. And and if you're new here, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our subscribers are going up. We got a ton of subscribers after Kate's episode. I think it was a lot of Michigan Hater fans, to be honest with you. But Kate, the Kate interview was awesome. I think Kate is is we've we've been around him for a long time. Kate's an awesome dude. If you're here, follow us on Instagram as well. We're gonna start off with a game. It's called Throw It Deeper, Check It Down. We haven't done this in a while. We're getting back to it. Throw it deeper, check it down. We're going to take you around some hot takes around the league, some different thoughts, some things happening. If we like it, we're going to throw it deep. If we don't like it, we're going to check it down. So before we get into it, we got to talk about it. Mike Leach dies of a heart attack. Saw the news this morning. Tough, unexpected. And I mean, I don't know if he had any complications before, but I remember seeing it all over Twitter last night and then seeing the news this morning. This is Tuesday when we're recording this, but... I mean, I'm sure you've had a lot of interactions with Mike Leach. I've I've seen him from afar. I've never met him in person, but just his, his stamp on the, the game of football in general is, is unquestionable. What are your thoughts on Mike Leach, you know, just after him passing? Yeah, he was always fascinating. I mean, anybody who's like, who's the Leach guy and what school was he at? Just YouTube his press conferences. This guy was one of one. Legendary stories. This guy was so outside the box. And, you know, I think he read old, you know, he was a historian and read about wars and talked about, he's just like super outside the box. But I think, you know, all these, you know, these coaches, right. They come in and they have a long run and then, you know, it's life, right. Turns over. And and this was unexpected and sudden at 61 years old. But there's, if you think about it like this, like there's only 11 guys on offense, five of them have to block. One of them's playing quarterback. There's five more left over. You can do something with it's math. There's not that many way different things you can do. Right now you got, you know, 162 plays in the playbook at Houston. I'm making up that number. Like, yeah, I get it. You have a lot of different protections, run game concepts, all that stuff. But there's a couple of people in my experience of watching and I've played against Mike Leach and I've got friends who, a lot of friends who played for him, kids who are with him now. And, you know, Will Rogers, a kid I've spent time with and Chris Parsons, who's a high school kid who's committed to go there right now. Right. And so across the board, but Mike Leach is in that small group of people who figured out a different way to use these 11 people and a different way to have the quarterback go through progressions and some different route concepts. Nobody else was running and a different way to read it. And so, you know, you can say, I don't like the way that that offense ran or you can be the biggest fan ever. But the reality is, is it takes some ingenuity. It takes some genius. It takes a lot of confidence to say, I get how everyone's been doing this for the last couple of decades, 
we're going to do it totally different than everybody else. And so some years that resulted in few wins, some years that was a bunch of wins, but either way, the quarterbacks who played for him threw for a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. If you played wide out in his offense, you probably had a really good career. And mm -hmm. so rest in peace. And a, a guy who came into a pretty established system that is college football. And he said, we're going to do it a little different. And so I respect it. And I'm sorry for the family for their loss and players, man, it's tough. You know, kids who are committed, guys who are, you know, figuring out if they're going to stay, not all that. It's just a heavy time for Mississippi State. Heavy time, man. He always did it his way. So I always remember just seeing him. He was never, never like any other head coach I've ever seen. Didn't understand it at first. And then when you get to the league and you, and you talk to some coaches and even talking to people today and just the impact that he had on the NFL from college, right? His, all of his concepts and his thoughts and ideas, like, all these coaches are studying college. We've talked about this before on the show. It doesn't, the NFL doesn't tell college what to do and college doesn't tell the high school what to do. It goes the other way around high school. They figure out what's new and what's going to work. And that trickles up to college and then college goes to the NFL. And there's no one who probably had more of an impact on NFL football today than, than Mike Leach in the area system. I think his system permeated through college football. And now it's, it's ran in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury. He's a disciple of the air raid system and, so many concepts and thought processes and, and how you view the game differently have made their way into the NFL because of him. So one, one key thing that he was the first person I ever heard say this, he thought that time of possession was the most irrelevant stat in football. Doesn't matter. I don't care, but they had the ball four times as much as you. I don't care. Points were more important. And that I just thought was some gangster shit. Not right. Really I mean, at the end of the day, what's more important, having more points or having the ball more? I mean, it's and it's one thing to go, well, we don't really worry about time of position here. He was like, no, 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 no. It's an irrelevant data point. Mm -hmm. Don't put it on my sheet. I don't want to know. I was like, oh, that's badass. It's different, man. Well, rest in peace to a legend. Thoughts and prayers to everyone in his family in the football program, Mississippi State. He had them going too, man. They won some big games there. there so it's tough. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the program after, but it's always tough to hear about a loss of a guy, especially with his impact everywhere. But moving on. First our deeper check it down. We got USC. So USC, obviously, I forgot what their I, th I saw their record the other day from last year. I think it was either four and eight or five and seven. So I think it was four and eight. It was four and eight last year. In comes Lincoln Riley. In comes Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, whoever else. And they make it to the Pac-12 championship. I think they were 11 and one, 12 and one, something like that. Make it to the Pac-12 championship. So the, the question here is USC is turnaround just from their coach and their quarterback is a school that's struggling. Are they just a coach and a quarterback away from turning everything around? Does it only take those two pieces to make everything right in a building? Well, I mean, there's different levels, right? USC is in the Pac-12. And so this pops up for... Matt Rule at Nebraska, this pops up for Dion and his son Shadir at Colorado. So there's different levels, right? Nebraska is competing against different level of talent than USC is, which is different than Alabama, which is different than Notre Dame, right? So across the board, I think it definitely takes more than those two pieces. But so I'm checking it down. I think it takes more than that. But I don't think the fan bases that I just mentioned and then the other ones who are getting a new head coach and potentially a new quarterback. I don't think they're going to agree with me. And I think this is going to put so much unwarranted optimism into fan bases. I think people are going to disagree with me and go, no, if we get that guy, we're going all the way this year, right? At every single school across the country, mm -hmm. you know, FCS and group of five, power five, whatever. Okay. And this is going to, this is going to spur so much unwarranted optimism in different fan bases because they're going to get Matt rule, Nebraska, and then they're going to get, make up the name of a quarterback out of the portal and they're going to come in and they're going to go, we got it all figured out now. And it's here. And it's like, hold on. Can you rush the passer? <laughs> can you guys cover? How's your special teams unit? Can mm -hmm. you guys run the ball? And we saw it at SC. Like it was enough to make them 11 and two, not enough to beat Utah though. Yep. Right. Cause they couldn't hit 33 missed tackle or whatever it was, you know, in the PAC 12 championship game. And it's like, that's not Caleb Williams fault. <laughs> like, and you know, Lincoln Riley, everything's under him. Cause he's the head guy, but it's like, I don't know. They couldn't wrap up and tackle in that game. I don't know. I don't know if that's Lincoln Riley's fault. Right. So they'll hit the portal year two at SC. I think, I don't know if they lose next year, 
but I think I'm checking it down. I think it takes more than that, but I think fan bases are going to have unwarranted off unrealistic expectations based off what they just saw at SC. What do you think? I'm going to, I'm going to throw a deep on this one at the, at the college level. And I'm going to do it for this reason. I think that not just any coach and any quarterback, right? You got the Heisman trophy winning quarterback. You got Lincoln Riley, who's one of the top offensive minds in college football, who's now has three Heisman quarterbacks to his name, right? Like it takes the right coach and the right quarterback. And from a quarterback perspective, it takes the right coach to put you in the right position to win games, right? Like Caleb is an amazing player. Lincoln put him in fantastic positions to be successful. He put the team in great positions to be successful. And when you have a great offense like that, it can help you play defense and it elevates everything else around you. So I think that a lot of these programs, like it takes a special, special thing. I don't think it's like you're going to get this coach and this quarterback and you're going to win it all, right? Like a lot of things have to fall into place. But I think when you look at these really special teams that, that win these championships and they, and they have success quickly, it is because of the coach and it's because of the quarterback and especially teams that turn it around quickly. So I'm going to throw a deep on that one. I like it. Okay, next one, we got the Steelers. A hot topic going around the league right now. To be honest, the way the media is these days with the Max Kellerman type attitudes of people throwing stuff out there and calling for people's job, it's kind of crazy. But here's the take right now. Mike Tomlin of the Steelers. The Steelers are 5-8 and eight at this point in the season. It's the first losing season he's had so far in the NFL. Mike Tomlin should be fired as the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. Throw it deeper, check it down. I mean, I'm throwing it at the running back's feet. This is like, a, it doesn't even deserve the completion. This guy, I'm a massive Mike Tomlin fan. This is such a joke. And this is just like, we need something to talk about. Like, okay, fire Mike Tomlin. Like, who are you going to get that can guarantee that that's going to work in that structure? And you go, well, well, Sean Payton, he's available. Okay. Well, that's worked in a different place. But what has worked in that infrastructure that they have in Pittsburgh is Mike Tomlin. Right. And the guy before him and the guy before him, because they've only had three coaches in like 40 something years or whatever the stat is. Mike Tomlin's a winner. And so you go, well, Mike Tomlin can't even win, win, win what? When he starts the season with Mitch Trubisky and then gets a rookie to come in, loses the best player, one of the best players in the league and TJ Watt loses him for the first, you know, seven or eight games of the season. I mean, these guys started off hot. They beat Cincy at Cincy week one and there's a lot of moving pieces. They traded Chase Claypool away, all that. This is a transitional year. This is get rookie Kenny Pickett, who, Kyle, you and I are both high on. Like, get him some reps. Get him some understanding of the game. And let's – you've got this young guy in George Pickens. Let's get him going. Like, they got all the pieces there. They're going to be just fine. Now, I will say the AFC North has gotten a lot better. The Browns, I know we haven't seen it yet. Adding Deshaun Watson – I don't know what that means for this year, but I do know what it means for the next three to five years. It means they're going to be good, right? Cincinnati's coming off a Super Bowl. We'll see what happens with Lamar, Baltimore, but Baltimore's in it and tough to beat every single year. They're tied for Cincinnati, I think, right now in the first place. So, no, this is a check down all the way. Mike Tomlin is one, one of the good guys in the league, right? Truth tellers, honest, you know, great decision makers. And two, he's a ridiculous ball coach, so... Yeah, I mean, you fire him, there's just such an easy scenario where you look back at it and you go, what the hell did we do? Yeah. What about you? I mean, you just like, how do people even say this? I can't believe that's a take. How do people say this? I've seen it. We, You know how that is in locker rooms? They have all the sports channels on all day long, right? I've seen the headline, Mike Tomlin should be out as the Steelers head coach. How does that even, like, in today's world... If you don't win right now, they don't even know what happened like two years ago. This guy has never had a losing season in his entire career as a head coach. Not one. Like the league average for win percentage is like around, like probably below 500 for a head coach, right? And by the way, one of those years was like Ben Roethlisberger suspended for rape and all the stuff and the catastrophe and then AB and then Le'Veon Bell on his way out and all that. This guy's dealt with so much bullshit there and it's just like not mattered they've won. Yeah, it's never been perfect. Ben Roethlisberger had surgery on his elbow. Mason Rudolph plays the rest of the year, right? Like a ton of different scenarios, right? So, I mean, you're you're checking it down. Mike Tomlin deserves to be the coach there. He deserves an extension, if anything, at this point. And especially with a rookie quarterback, right? Like you're going to fire your head coach when you just drafted a rookie quarterback in the first round or you're going to let that head coach who's had so much success in the league develop this guy for a couple years 
and then you're going to return into a dynasty. Maybe who knows? I think that is obviously the much more sane way to go about it, but double check down there from us. All right. That was 30 for checking down. We got two good interviews with Ben DiNucci and Cole McDonald coming up right now from the XFL probably names that you guys don't know. Maybe you've heard of DiNucci because he played for the Cowboys, but Cole McDonald out of Hawaii, been a journeyman, been, he played in the CFL. He's been doing workouts. He played in the spring league. What this episode is for us is, you know, Jordan's working with the XFL. He's there working with the guys right now. We just wanted to give you guys a look inside the realness of a quarterback room. This was what makes up a lot of the quarterback rooms in America. You guys see the 32 starters every Sunday, but there's a ton of threes and bubble guys who are trying to make a roster. And the XFL is another opportunity for them to put, get some tape out and, and try and make one of these teams. So it's really insightful. Get to hear some of their journeys and, and what they've been through to get to this point. So we're going to start off with Cole McDonald. Here's Cole. All right. We got Cole McDonald on from the XFL. Jordan Palmer, my co-host in here from the XFL. Cole, what's going on, dude? How you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me. In Dallas right now. You guys are just getting started. Is that what's going on? Yeah. Uh, out here with Jordan with a couple other quarterbacks getting ready for the XFL. So getting some work. A couple. Before season starts. Couple, yeah, so like you, 24 of you guys out here. That's more than a couple. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, you've been in. So Jordan's been doing this for a while. I have no clue what the fuck's going on, to be honest with you. So you got to give me a little recap of kind of the last couple months because you guys all went out. We're out in California training with Jordan before this, too. Right. Kind of the XFL seems like they kind of have their their shit together better than the other leagues have in, in previous years from what I've seen just from you, Jordan. But especially from quarterback development, what have you guys been doing kind of as the NFL season's been going on? I mean, we, we've been working with Jordan, right? So, you know, prior to this, we've all just been training on our own and Jordan kind of took over and signed with the XFL. The XFL flew majority of us quarterbacks out, 24 of us to be exact, two different sessions, and basically just broke being broke down what quarterback is. You know, Jordan's philosophy, what he teaches, how he, how he looks at the game, and just talking one language, communicating with one voice and you know, being able to go to different OCs of different teams and say, this is what we want, be aware with the terminology and ultimately get better. And it's been, it's been an awesome journey and great process so far. And we're back in Dallas, like you said, round two, getting better once again, dialing up before season starts. So, yeah. And so, so Kyle, basically September, the, whoever was signed, and I think it was like a dozen guys came out, got, they got flown out, put up in Southern California at, you know, Kyle lives on the street for me, but like, in Orange County, use my office, use the facility, use the field, all that, and introduce this. Then same group, and then plus whoever signed after September, they came out in October. So we did session two. Session three, the draft, the XFL draft was in Vegas in November. So the Rock and Danny Garcia and the ownership group and all that stuff, all the staffs, everybody went out, they had their draft. So we had session three there. So Kyle, you know how much I love having 14 guys on the field at the same time, which is the opposite. I like small groups, but but we built a system here. And Mike White, who coaches with me, has done a fantastic job. So we had new guys in September. Then when in October, we had the same guys plus new guys. And then in November, we had some guys that have been there once, some guys that have been there twice, and then new guys. And then here I am this, this week, and we've got now separated into two groups. Guys who basically I just saw in November or just met today, and then... Cole and the guys that have been coming flew in today and we start tomorrow and we overlap. So super unique way to do it. But like Cole said, trying to eliminate mixed messaging. I think the the biggest disease in quarterback development is mixed messaging. So one guy says, hold it like this. One guy says, hold it like this. One guy says, hold it like this. Your girlfriend thinks it's cute when it's up here. Like, what am I supposed to do? And if you think about quarterbacks in the XFL, I mean, we've got a handful of guys that have been on NFL rosters during this season who Mm -hmm. were obviously not in the XFL last year, might have been in the NFL, might have been the USFL, might have been in the Spring League, might have been, you know what I mean? So we got guys for the last three, four years who played on three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams. And Cole, that's kind of what we want to get into tonight. So from my perspective, that's what I'm doing with the XFL, your quarterback development across all eight teams, every quarterback. But we're pumped to do this because I lived this life. So I started off, Kyle, every meeting explaining to me, going like, I've been in your seat. You know what I mean? The reason I got involved with the XFL was because the entry point was like, I needed this league. So anybody who's watching this, who's been following and follows me on social and goes, oh, that guy played for that NFL team. Well, hold on. I was a Sacramento mountain lion too in the United Football League, which obviously doesn't exist anymore. I was an Arizona Rattler on paper. But Arizona, baby. Yeah. After I did five AFL workouts. Right. And so 
for me, like I've lived with my in-laws. I borrowed my brother-in-law's truck. I've like, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, poof, sign and I'm a Chicago bear and we play next week on Monday. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. crazy. So what we wanted to do, Cole, we're going to bring in you. We're going to bring another guy who's a journeyman, whatever. I think it's, <laughs> it's a compliment if somebody calls you a journeyman because people keep giving you tries. But people who watch this show, they've seen Kirk Cousins. They've seen Josh Allen. They've seen... Cade McNamara, they've seen guys who are like marquee starters in college and pro. What we want to talk about is like, well, hold on. This is the majority of professional quarterbacks are experiencing this right now. Really? Not, not a small, this is not a, there's only 24 guys here and it's a small group. Yeah. There's like another 40 who didn't get a call. You know yeah. what I mean? For this. And so you got 32 starters in the league, whatever added up with her, with her guys and all that stuff. But like you got 32 spots each week. Right. But the reality is, there's 24 here and there's another 24 that are just barely didn't make this cut. So there's always every, and then by the way, at the end of this college football season, there'll be like another 25, 30 college quarterbacks trying to make it tough. There's so many people in the marketplace, so to speak, that are really good. And it was wrong place, wrong time, got hurt at the wrong time. That other guy balled out, you know, you got your three series. He got his, he just, he hit the slant and the guy scores. So they went with him like, there's so much of that shit that happens that sounded in personal. football. I don't know. That sounded like real. <laughs> I hit the slant, so he stayed on. I, I mean, the real the real personal story is Jimmy Clausen taking my job because he got the number five in spacing. He had a swing. Yeah. And there was nothing there. He went down the sideline, and it was like, I've I just that lost one. my job. I just lost my job. And the journeyman thing is real. And so let's start off with you, Cole. Let's tell us your journey because I guarantee you, like, no disrespect. No one probably knows your journey to this point so far yeah. to get to the XFL. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey, you know, out of out of Hawaii. Love declared early and came up to a train with Jordan. That's where I met you and second leading ballers. passer in college football that season in terms of yards. Number two behind Joe Burrow, low key. Behind Joey, yeah, I balled out. Went to Tennessee, got drafted, and then COVID happened. Didn't get a preseason. Was told that I was getting cut to bring on a veteran, which you know was unfortunate in my favor. Ended up bouncing around, trying out. Ended up trying out for Arizona and then getting a futures deal. Went in a rookie minicamp, felt like I was doing very well, and then just got a call and said I was cut. That was it. Right after, I was like, I need some film, need a ball, need to find something. Prior to going up to Canada after Arizona, before Arizona, I actually was in the spring league as well. But then after Arizona, went up to Canada, played in the CFL, which was interesting. Like you said, journeyman, been overseas, different country, and it was, it was a good time, but... It's been back Which and forth. Which did you travel across to get to Canada? Did you go like the long route over the Pacific? Or yeah, we, we went around the other the way, you know. Cool, yeah. yeah. The, something, like the, yeah. something like that, yeah. Yeah, super um, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, some history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I went up to Toronto and just been training ever since, been waiting for a call. At times, you know, you can feel like you're forgotten about. You've got to do certain things, you know, to get your name out there, go to camps. The XFL came up. I actually got out of my contract with Toronto and went to the Hawaii Showcase. Luckily, The Rock was there. Like JP said, the XFL is a league for guys like me, the journeymen, you know, JPs, everybody that's been through this, the new 24 guys that are coming out this year, the old guys, guys that are getting cut from rosters. So went out there, did really well, talked about being the 54th man. And so that really kind of hit home for me and then was offered to play this next upcoming season and just been kind of working towards that. And then... You know, got a call to work with JP, worked with him before. I was super ecstatic. Always love working with him, really chill, learn a lot, take away. And it's a positive environment to learn from. And then here we are in Dallas a couple weeks out before we have to fly out for training camp and get started. So called you chill, so, Jordan. Thanks. Appreciate it. So <laughs> this is what's crazy, right? Let me put in context. Anybody who's watching this right now, like we know the story of like Kurt Warner, right? Like he was bagging groceries. He got cut, got told no a million times. And I, it's so cheesy. I can't get myself to watch the movie. And dude, the movie whatever. is great. It's, it's really good. It's fire. It is so good, dude. It's fire. I was crying my eyes out in the movie. Yeah, you'll you'll get teary eyed for sure. I can't. You'll, I can't believe. I can't believe what I'm hearing. You'll love it, bro. <laughs> I, saw previews, I saw the previews and I was like, "There's no shot I'm seeing this movie ever." And it was so good, dude. It, it was, was really baller. Two things. I'm tired of his story. And two, I watched the actor throw. It was and <laughs> you know how my mind went to immediately. I go, can I get a gig on the next fucking football movie? You're not. Like, can we send the actor to me for six weeks? Like, what are you paying this guy? You know what I mean? 
In fact, on my social, we did a thing last year, Jake, shout out Jake, the producer came up with an idea of like where I break down throwing mechanics of guys in movies. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was hilarious. Like it, it popped, you know what I mean? But it was like, like Johnny Utah from Point Break, which I, you got to be a Point Break fan, right? Yeah. 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 So, but anyways, like, I'm like, can I, can I get a call please? But, but we know the story of the guys who ended up making it right the kurt warner and like tom brady was 166th pick in the draft but like let's talk right now right this week because this episode's coming out tomorrow like let's play out brock purdy okay preseason he's fourth who was the guy who was the third that they traded it was nate sudfeld it was nate sudfeld. trey lance it was kind of jimmy not really i mean yeah was- we didn't know what was going to happen with jimmy right because it is if trey you know balled out and stayed healthy then they were going to probably trade jimmy all right. that stuff. But anyway, he's fourth in camp, right? So so let's say that Trey Lance, this totally could have happened, right? Has like a like a short-term injury, right? Like a high ankle sprain or something like that. Well, mm-hmm. then they got to keep Jimmy, right? And then, but they also are not going to cut Trey Lance, right? So now you got Nate Sudfeld. Let's say they liked Nate Sudfeld a lot. Okay. Yeah. Nate Sudfeld so what, got off season too. He got a one year three million dollar deal in the off season and they ended up releasing him, you know? So so let's say they liked him. Okay, and then they got Brock Purdy, and they got three guys are getting reps on. They got to get Trey Lance, obviously a ton of reps, right? He hasn't played yet, and so all of a sudden Brock Purdy, who's Mister Irrelevant, like arguably the easiest person to cut on the team, right? They probably gave him like sixty grand to sign or something like that, right? So then he's out, okay, and he's not six four two thirty with a rocket arm. So I don't know if there's a long list of people when he gets cut from San Francisco who grab him. So. If they liked Nate Sudfeld more, my argument is Brock Purdy's here, jumping at the opportunity to play in the XFL. This is the difference, people. Like, instead, they didn't like Nate Sudfeld as much as they liked Brock Purdy. I'm not saying that they didn't like Nate Sudfeld, so they just kept Purdy. No, I think they like they saw things in Purdy that they liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? He earned it. I don't think he backed or fell into any situation. I think no. he made a crash <laughs> Played well in but if they loved Nate Sudfeld and Brock just didn't even get enough reps, which happens all the time, didn't get enough looks, didn't get enough chances to show himself, didn't any, whatever the deal is, right? Then he's getting cut. I don't think he's getting signed somewhere. Maybe he's on P-Squad by somebody else who loved him. But the reality is the high percentage chances, if the Niners like Nate Sudfeld more, Brock Purdy's in this hotel right now. Instead, he's on arguably the best team in the NFC playing out of his fucking mind and getting ready to potentially go to the Super Bowl. I know it's early, whatever, but like he's on the first or second best team in the NFC right now on top of the world, just stacking checks on what he's going to end up making coming out of this. And it's like, there's the difference. That's the difference. Right it's a small, you know, and that's what a league like this provides. So I'm interested to hear, you said the rock was out there in Hawaii with you. What's his messaging around all of this? Because he's, I mean, you see him on Instagram, you see him in all the movies. To be honest, he's a guy that I want to block on Instagram at this point, but he, he kills it. Everyone loves him. But yeah. what is his messaging around around the the whole league itself? Mike, I mean, like I said earlier, you know, 53 guys on a roster and he was always 54th, just like mm-hmm. myself, just like the guys in this hotel. And this league is partnered with the NFL. So it's I would look at it as like a minor league to the major leagues, a G League to the NBA, XFL to the NFL. So... It's a it's a stepping stone. It's it's a really good stepping stone. I think it's well put together. It's organized. I think it's gonna be some great football to watch. You know, when football's over and people want to watch football and not wait till next year. So I think it's it's that stepping stone. You know, I think that's where him and Danny have taken it and are really, you know, gonna gonna do really good things with it. So that's where I'm kind of looking at it from. I know JP probably has more insider point coming in too. But I mean, like it's just crazy. The NFL is the only league that doesn't have a minor league. The LPGA yep. Tour has one. You know what I mean? Baseball's yeah. obviously got one. Right? They got multiple leagues, right? Multiple yeah. levels, right? Single A, double A, triple A, whatever. The D D League and basketball. And so the tour, Corn Ferry Tour for PGA, that's the only league that doesn't have one. So what they've always said is like college is that, right? And then like the guy's got to stay in for three years and, you know, and like Caleb Williams can't leave early. Caleb Williams is the number one pick this year. You know what I mean? Brock Bowers would be the number two pick this year. Tight end from Georgia. So... Like, so you got to stay for three years, but also this and now, now, now NIL and all this shit. We did an episode last week. It was crazy, but like NIL and all the stuff. So it's just like, we don't have like a league for the NFL. And I, I've always said this, 
when I was in the when I was not in the NFL, when I was playing and not on a team, I could sit there and name like verbatim off the top of my head dudes who were on a roster getting paid that I knew for a fact I was better than. Not debatable. I know I'm better than that guy. And every year that I played in the league, I was on a roster. There were guys on couches that I knew was better than me. I know that guy is a better quarterback than me. I'm a bear. I'm a Bengal. I'm a Jaguar or whatever I was at the time. And I'm like, I can't believe that guy's not in the league right now. Right. And so what happens is, and this is the breakdown, like where it's broken. One of the, one of the ways that football is broken right now is the evaluation process. So like I joined the, the advisory staff, advisory board for the Shrine Bowl, right? So you got the senior, senior bowl and, and then Shrine game, not Shrine Bowl, Shrine game. And, but part of the reason I joined that is because the combine's broken. Why are we running 40s? Why are we having quarterbacks backpedal for seven steps and then shuffle? Why are we throwing a high angle post corner when nobody has that in their playbook? Why are we throwing speed outs from under center five, no hitch when like four teams have it in their playbook and it gets called once every five games. Like, so like that system's broken. Well, the reason they do it there and the reason they do it in India and the reason that they do it that way is because they've always done it that way. Right. And they don't want to change it. Okay. And it's a TV property now. And then you look at the, the way that pro days are put together. Pro day is a scripted workout. Cole, I ran yours or I would have ran yours because of COVID. Like it's a scripted pro day and we're going to do this. And it's so scripted and manufactured by people like me, because that's what we're trying to do, because that's what everybody else does, that teams actually don't really pay attention to it, right? It's so scripted. I don't care. I just want to work them out, right? And then you bring them in for the in-person visits, but they can't really work out and they got to do this. and they got. So it's just like, yeah, people whiff on picks and draft this guy when they should not have drafted him. And then guys slide to the fifth round. It's like, how's Mike White a fifth rounder, right? And so it, like, it just ends up like the evaluation process is broken. Okay. Well, the XFL is a fantastic evaluation process for the NFL. Wait, I get to see the guy that I only saw in a workout setting when it was 78 degrees and sunny and perfect weather. I get to see him play at Seattle in the XFL, like in shitty weather. Like, I want to see that. I want to see how he plays. Right. And then the developmental process is the other totally broken system here. Right. So you got all these players. So here's part of my presentation, these guys, Kyle, and I don't know if I've ever given you this one is like there's there's a minimum of three people that will coach a quarterback. So Kyle Allen, quarterback for the Houston Texans, there's a minimum of three people that will coach you right now in the middle of the season, right? There's at least one person in the Texans, okay? So who's that? That's Pep Hamilton. Who else? Your OC is going to coach you. Who else? Ed White, QB coach. QB coach. You ever mm -hmm. talk to the strength coach? Yeah, all the time, yeah. Okay, anybody else? I mean, training staff, like there's, and they're on, a lot of times they're not in, conjunction with each other okay you know? and then and then does do you ever talk to davis about something you did yeah 100 percent. right and the other and the other quarterback in the room right so there's like so okay we're at five or six people from the texans okay then kyle you have a part-time opinion me i coach you in the off seasons okay mm -hmm. so there's another person right and then you're still going to throw one over somebody's head and try and fix it right so then there's you you're going to self-correct right you're going to throw one in the dirt you're going to change it up and you're going to fix it on the next throw so you got four five six seven eight people coaching you this year. And if everybody's messaging is not synced, you've got mixed messaging. And I believe that mixed messaging is the enemy of development, right? We got multiple people saying multiple different things. And you're in the NFL, right? With a guy like Pep Hamilton, who's coached a bunch of elite players at a high level in college and pro and all that, right? Quarterback coach had a long career, very successful, blah, blah, blah. If you talk to Davis about something, he's a young guy, but he's a smart guy and he knows what he's doing and he's going to give you great feedback. Like everybody knows what they're talking about is my point but none of the messaging synced. And so what the XFL is doing, which is really cool, is this messaging of what we're doing in the offseason is going to carry over to training camp. It's going to carry over to the end season. We're going to be able to kind of like bring this messaging together and trying to solve for two big issues, the evaluation process and the development process of quarterbacks, because I think it's the most underdeveloped position in all of sports. Ironically, it's the only thing we freaking talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. And if your quarterback sucks, everybody's getting fired. And if he's a baller, then everybody's getting paid. Right. Everybody in Buffalo got paid. The assistant GM is now the GM of the Giants. The offensive coordinator is now the head coach of the Giants. Everybody got contract extensions, not just Josh. Right. The quarterback coach became the OC head coach. He signed for six more. So it's just like and yet we're whiffing on the development and we're whiffing on the evaluation. Right. We got Zach Wilson on the bench. We got Mike White in like it's just every year it's a different spot. Right. You got Jimmy G. He was playing, thank God, because Trey wasn't ready. And now the sixth rounders, seventh rounders in, and he's playing at a high level. What's that offseason going to look like in San Francisco, by the way? Like, across the board, 
we just got whiffing on the development, whiffing on the evaluation. So I think that's what's rad and trying yeah. to serve the journeyman, the dudes like Cole, who's 6'4", 225, runs a 4'6", and he's got a hose. Like, well, how are you not playing? And he can also throw it. That's the crazy part. So you say the NFL is partnered with this league, right? And you're talking about this is all about the development. So my, what my first first thought was, okay, so this is the future of drafting, right? You're going to draft guys, right? I just want to get your thoughts on it, Cole and Jordan too. Do you see this going into like year four, year five? Do you see like the draft expanding and maybe going like, hey, after the seventh round, we're going to have five more rounds. And then, hey, you guys in these last five rounds, we're going to send you to the developmental league and that's how it goes. Do you see that happening? Yeah, I was about to say, just like how baseball drafts guys, oh, hey, go play in the minors for a little bit. You know, hey, Cole, go play in the XFL, get some tape. We want to see you ball. We want to see you play. Maybe it'll turn into that. Maybe it won't. I'm, I think it's like you said, I think that's the next step is adding more draft picks, adding more rounds to it and implementing the XFL in a useful way like they are right now. Yeah. The ball's in the NFL's court. We'll see. And I, I bet they're sitting here going, well, let's see how it goes with season one of the XFL, which is what I would do too, right? And people ask me like, so how is it? How's it going to go, right? Like what I'm doing right now is the off season, right? Like games, got, there's, a, there's a lot of more moving parts than what I'm doing, right? Way more. This is a tiny percent of this. But just like when I go through the draft process with guys that are first rounders and we talk about landing spots, when guys are like, you know, I've been playing college football. I haven't been following the NFL a lot. Like, where do I want to go? You know, I got these three different teams in mock drafts saying they're taking me like, which one's the best or whatever. When a college guy basically says who's good in the league, what I go is like, start at the top, like look at the ownership. Right. So for me, Pittsburgh's always been the Holy grail of a landing spot for a guy in the draft because the sustainability, what they have at ownership level, they've had three head coaches in like 40 years or whatever. Like they're consistent. They do all that. And so like Pittsburgh, like Kenny Pickett, if he is what Kyle and I think he is, which is a DM good player, like he's just going to end up playing in one to three Super Bowls because he's going to develop and play at a high level. They're going to have fantastic receivers because they draft well and they develop well. And they're going to, you know what I mean? They're like, they'll just end up playing in a, in a Super Bowl or three, like because of that. So when I look at the XFL, I look at ownership and Danny and Dwayne, like you talked about in Redbird Capital. I look at Russ Brandon, who's the president of the league. It, like you just like start moving down and you're like, damn, every single person has a fantastic resume and has built something before. And so is the XFL going to work? Is it going to be what everyone is hoping it's going to be? Like my, my confident answer is yes, but it comes from ownership, not from uniforms or not even Cole, not even because of who the quarterbacks are. Like it starts at ownership and trickles down, which is exactly how the league works anyways. And I think though it does, the quarterback play matters so much in this. In these oh, 100%. Leagues. You can't have seven to six games. No, I think this, this is well, for you, right? From both sides of it, right? From the quarterbacks in the league. I think the quarterback play matters so much for you guys because you need the good film so you can go and make it to the next level and get on an NFL team somewhere, right? But also from the XFL's point of view, Jordan, these other leagues, the AAF, even the XFL last year, like the AAF, I remember the quarterback play was just poor. And after like the first week of poor quarterback play, people just shut it off, right? So from like a fan's viewer perspective, if the quarterback play isn't high, no one's going to watch. No, this needs to be 3528 and that's what Exactly. I'm working my ass off trying to help that help that happen. Yeah, that's on y'all. <laughs> that's on you. Yeah. And it's crazy too because this year PJ Walker and Tyler Heineke like yeah. there's two dudes that were in the XFL like 45 minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And like Taylor's he was on the show a couple weeks ago like he's balling, dude. You know what I mean? And PJ yeah. came in and got a win. You know they what had, I mean? They had the Seltzers after Beat the game. Tampa man the two thousand dollar win bonus do you guys have any win bonuses this year i think so a couple yeah. thousand or something all right i want to do one more thing before i can go to the next game but do you remember the xfl clip last year it was like the new york guardians versus somebody and it was a super like old quarterback god i'm forgetting his name right now but they're like their team didn't score any points in the first half and they do the interview coming in right off the field with the quarterback and goes what's going on with the offense right now like what's the issue he goes we got to change the whole game plan. Nothing's fucking working out there. And everyone's like, oh. And then he like freezes because he immediately knows he fucked up. And he goes, yeah, I think we just, we just got to regroup. Like, I, I need to play better. And then they come out in the next half and he's not playing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that. Matt McGloin. Oh. Matt McGloin, yeah. not too 
Magloid. We no watched way. that quarterback room the other day because Pep was Pep coached the DC Defenders that year, so he was the coach on that team. Well, that shit was hilarious. All right, uh, let you go, Cole. Awesome. One more game. Uh, we're gonna play a game. Sorry, we didn't play a game yet, but it's called QB to QB. What we do is every show. The quarterback we have on, we have them ask a question to the next quarterback. They don't know who the next show quarterback is, but we have them ask a question. Start off with Kirk Cousins asking Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick asking Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold now asks Cade McNamara. Now it is your turn from Cade McNamara. His question was, on game day, what is something that you absolutely cannot do? So our, our his question that he Bad got, juju. What is something that you have to do on game day every day? And he was like, I got to wear the same underwear, which was kind of fucking weird to be honest with you, but it was a weird answer. But what is something that you absolutely cannot do on game day? Like yeah, if this dude. happens, like shit, I can't do that. Like you're like, in your dome. Yeah. I would say if I'm, if I'm having a bad little warm up session, like, you know, how you do routes on air, pregame throws, if I'm like not really feeling confident there, then it's bad. If I don't get enough sleep, obviously, I mean, I don't really think I don't have any like bad jujus or like I'm like, oh, this happened. I can't play good. You know, I'm like, you got to ball either way. So, I mean, there's little things, but you got to I feel like, you know, you've had games where you're like, oh, I'm not feeling that good. But you just got to pull yourself out of that rut. Yeah, you got I to. think that, you know, it's just you just got a ball. But I don't know. I'm not too particular about that very often. So I'm sorry for a, a bad answer. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not too particular with that. I'm just like, hey, whatever happens, happens. We got a ball anyways. To be fair, it was a bad question. So, well, it's okay. okay. Kyle, right. what's your answer? Yeah. Something on game day. You know what I used to do? I didn't, I used to not eat on game day. I used to fast mm. until after the game. I wouldn't eat because I was like, I'd be is too Is that because of eat. how big your butt is or is that like some <laughs> other reason? Well, it's, it's actually like the liver king prime. You're like stuff. bottom heavy. Yeah. No, literally, the, my first, kind of built like a bowling pin to be my honest. First three years in the league, <laughs> I wouldn't eat, and we would have like breakfast check in the morning. Like they would check you off to make sure you came in for breakfast, and I would walk in. I'd do like a couple laps around there, and I'd walk out. I was like superstitious about it. I couldn't eat. I felt like I would be like thick, or I'd be like too heavy, or like moping around. Like I don't know, I couldn't do it. I just You're just hungry, hungry for success, bro. That's what it is, and just off. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, good luck. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you guys are all out in Dallas right now. You guys are basically training camp at this point. The, the thing, before you leave, the thing what's crazy, like when we talk to guys like you and I think about guys like you, you essentially haven't had an off season since you've been in the league, right? No, it's like a good point. Constantly, you're constantly trying to go from, you know, one opportunity to the next and and you're really just not going to stop until you get to the league. And so when you, get, when you see guys playing in the XFL to anyone's listening to this or any of these other developmental leagues, they were probably in a training camp somewhere all season and trying to trying to make a team all season. And then the spring, like, like I go home and I chill for four months, you know, that's my off season. And a lot of these guys are grinding to get there. So mad respect, dude. Good luck. Thank you. Throw me, throw me some love out there. Throw some touchdowns, run around. I will. And what, what city are you in for the team again? Houston. Houston Roughnecks. Houston. Oh, you're in Houston. Let's go. Yeah. Let me know if you want to rent my apartment from me when I leave. (laughs) I'll let you know. All right, cool. All right, thanks, bro. King Coley on Instagram. Good follow. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. All right, we just had Cole McDonald on. Now we can bring on Danucci, Ben Danucci, Ryan Fitzpatrick's kid's favorite quarterback. Danucci, what's up, man? Thanks for Jordan. I appreciate, I appreciate the warm the warm introduction, Fitzy, wherever your kids are at. I hope they're listening right now, but I appreciate it. I can it. pretty I much well. guarantee you that his kids are going to watch at least this piece of this episode based off of the <laughs> love and admiration that all 14 of his children have for you. So, well, that's, that's, that's saying a lot. That's so if you're watching this and you don't know what we're talking about, you definitely need to watch the episode with Ryan Fitzpatrick because it's gold. Yeah. That's solid. He said that his, he's getting his kids a Danucci XFL jersey for Christmas. So be ready for them to be watching it. But you might have to sign up. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah. Thanks do. for coming on, dude. I think this is going to be a little different than Cole, Jordan, because Ben's kind of, you've been in the league, you know, you like, you've played in, in regular season games. Like you've been around, like you've played a lot in the preseason, like you've been around it and now you're in the XFL. Like you have a little bit of a different perspective. We were just finishing up with talking with Cole about this. You kind of like don't have an off season right now. Right. Because you were in Dallas all training camp. Like after whenever you got cut, I'm not sure when you got cut, you were probably doing workouts for other teams flying around the country. And now 
you're with the XFL, you're signed and you're going to play your season whenever that starts in the spring. How has that situation been for you? We've been talking about journeymen a lot. Like how has that part of the process been? Yeah, this has just been different for me, right? The first two years I wasn't cut, didn't have to, was just just fortunate to stay around and then having to do the workouts, getting cut. I mean, really just just staying ready, right? Yeah, I guess you could call it an extension of the off season. I mean, I was in camp for, for four weeks and then back, back sitting on my couch again. So in that regard, it sucked. Would love to be playing. But for me, the, the XFL is an, an awesome opportunity. And I think that this is really going to be able to showcase for a lot of guys just kind of what they can do. And I mean, as, as you know, Kyle, the, the life of a backup is, I mean, reps are the hardest thing to come by. So I haven't had a lot of tape over the last few years. So this will be good for me to go and, and kind of show what I can do. What do you think? Like, you know what it takes to play in the NFL and you want to level back up. Like, what are the things you think? And I know I'm like working with you and all that stuff, but like, what are the things you think you need to do game day? Not what we're talking about in practice, but like, what do you think you need to do on game day or over the course of the season to show an NFL team that like, Oh, that one slipped through the cracks. We're going to bring him in. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is ball security. That game that I was, I guess I'll say thrown into in 2020 when I started during, during my rookie year up in Philly, just had a few, I mean, pocket breaks down, got it, got to check it down or throw it away. I just try to make something good on the field and really, really could have probably had a few, few picks that game that there were drops. So, I mean, really the biggest thing for me is, Taking care of the ball, showing that I can make quick decisions, go, go through decision-making, and just, just win. I mean, quarterback position is so much evaluated just by wins and losses now. So just going out there, putting a, putting a good product on the field, and, and hopefully that turns into some points, some wins. So I've always said that I think the most difficult thing to, do, thing to do as a professional athlete is train when you don't know when your opportunity is coming and if an opportunity is coming. So you get cut like my, my, for me personally, like I got, I got cut at the end of training camp. So I'm training. I'm like running, lifting, throwing, eating clean, all that stuff, body fat percent, paying attention to everything. And not only do I not know what team I'm going to, what I'm, what I'm doing this for. I also don't know even if I'm going to get a chance. So it's super hard to motivate yourself in those circumstances. I'm sure that has been the case at some point like what's been the thing that kept you training the way you were training or pushed you even harder when you don't know if anybody's going to call? I, I think, yeah, it was the first Sunday that I was watching the games on TV and I was just sitting there. I was like, man, this is weird. Like haven't, haven't watched a game from, from TV in a few years. It's a completely different view from the couch other than the sidelines. Like, I don't let's let's not do this again. So I think that for me was like, all right, you got to see the light at the end of the tunnel. This is one one season, hopefully the span of you know a multi year career. So really just just making sure that I was controlling what I can control. Just just doing doing the little things that uh, you know not not necessarily people see day in and day out. And just I mean, I mean all the motion all the motivation I needed was just just watching the games on Sundays and being like, damn, kind of kind of missed the weirdest so. feeling, huh? I remember I got very caught my rookie year. And I mean, I was undrafted. I didn't really expect to make the team. And, you know, I played well in preseason. So oh, maybe I'll make the team. And then I got signed to practice squad for like three days and I got cut. And I remember being at my parents' house that Sunday being like, all right, I'm just going to watch NFL football all day long. Like I'm pumped. Like let's fucking order some pizza and like watch football. And <laughs> first game on was Carolina Panthers versus whoever. I watched it for 10 yep. minutes and I immediately turned it off. I was like, I cannot yep. do it. Like it's just, it's such a tough feeling, but Made it, I'll say, it made it a little tougher this year too, because Dak got hurt after the first game, and the guy, one of the guys I was battling with, Cooper during camp, very, very, just, I felt like that could have been me too. So I was like, damn, like hmm. he got his shot, good for him. Like that, that's how it works. Maybe it's not my time, and I just realized that hey, at some point, get another opportunity, whether it's the XFL or NFL, just got to make the most of it and do what I can do. So goes back to your point, Jordan. You're just, you're just that far off. We were just talking to Cole about this. It's, it's so situational. It's so like when it, when it's your time and. And I always tell this to young guys, and this has kind of been the story of my career, is when you get your opportunity, like opportunities in the NFL are few and far between. And when you get your opportunity, you have to take advantage of it. And then you will be afforded some more as the way goes on. But opportunity, they're just so few and far between. Well, that brings us back to the XFL, which is another great opportunity to put film on tape. You know, it's just they're creating these opportunities. And Cole is telling us it's, it's partnered with the NFL what team did you sign with Seattle, right? The Seattle Sea Dragons? Seattle, yeah. Yep. Are you pumped about the mascot, the Sea Dragons? It's sick. Unis uh, are sick, I think. I think the, the orange is cool. I was purple in, in college. JMU, we were purple. So I'm used to kind of like those one-off weirdish colors. So I think the bright orange is, 
I mean, it's different. I think the XFL did a good job in that regard that all the home jerseys are flashy. So it'll be, they'll, they got some pop to them, make them, maybe make, make them stand out on TV. So, uh, I mean, I like ours. Yeah. Burnt orange and, and green, kind of a cool combo. Who are the coaches for well, real quick on that? I, I, I don't know what song it is, but I remember there's an Eminem song, old album. And he says like something like, and I stood at, stood out like a green hat with an orange bill. And I was just, and I saw those sea dragon hats and I'm like, Oh my God. That's it's exactly a green hat with exactly an orange bill. Like. And like, it was like yeah. a reference to sticking out in the crowd. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I can't look at the logo and not think about like watching Eminem, like say that, you know what I mean? It's so funny. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Are we uh, brand uh, hat of a uh, sea dragon's true brand hat? No, if if it was up to me, maybe I've got a business partner. I'm not. I'm not the majority owner. So you gotta tell uh, him make you at least uh, one. Come on, you gotta make one. I know, right? Yeah, yeah just just a one off that I can wear to games. I could I could do that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not hard. So do. you're not at the hotel right now, but there's, I'm but not. You guys are all in Dallas together, all 24 quarterbacks. It's kind of an interesting scenario. We were talking about this before we got on. It's it's basically the biggest quarterback room you've probably ever been in. You know, our show is called the room. We base it off of quarterback rooms, the most sacred room in every building. Now you're in a spot with 24 guys, right? And what's the deal? Are you guys going to be practicing together out there? You guys are going to be on separate teams, but you're kind of going to be all in the same area, right? I th- yeah. I think there's, there's eight different high schools and they've got everyone in like four different hotels. So two teams, a hotel or something. So it'll, it'll be pretty interesting to see how, how all that works, the dynamic during like camp and running into the guys at hotel and, and and all that stuff but i guess it in the way it's 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 been pretty cool they had all of us out to vegas so uh five nights in vegas was was way too five long uh, to, oh to have us out there <laughs> I was like, by, by, by the by friday we were all dragging was, we were like dude we got to do it one more some were dragging more than others yeah this bad boy yeah yeah but no it was a good time getting to, getting to know everybody just on a personal level i think was was pretty cool because most of us didn't know each other before yeah. so but so you got all 24 guys there i'm just kind of think of the dynamic like it's, it's, it's gotta be really weird dynamic because you know, you guys are all like quarterbacks are all buddies, right? You guys are all friends you are all buddies, but at the same time, there's 24 guys that are on the cusp of trying to make it to the NFL. And you've seen it from old XFL leagues. There's two guys from the XFL that are in the NFL right now at quarterback. It's PJ Walker, Taylor yeah. Heineke, right? And there was however many quarterbacks in the league. So to, to make it to the league next year, there's probably only going to be a couple of you guys. Does that kind of factor into like the relationships and how like the vibe is around there or is it kind of weird or like do you feel like an extra sense of like urgency or motivation around it i'd say motivation yeah just just because it's purely a numbers game especially the qb position right there's like two maybe maybe three on a team both my years in dallas they kept they kept three so i mean you know how that works but i i'd say it's just yeah i mean everyone's eyeing each other's up i mean you've got two or three guys from the same team are there. So everyone's trying, I mean, you know how it is when you work out QBs, you're kind of like eyeing yeah. each other up. Like, all right, how's this guy throw? How's he stuff like that. But I mean, everyone's got the same end goal. So, I mean, basically everyone, everyone's out just, I mean, you can have a good time and still get work done. So I think it's been a good kind of dynamic of, of a little bit of both. So it's been, it's been good. It's awesome. So then moving forward, January 8th training camp, we're going to get into this, but learning another new system. How many systems have you learned since college? Jeez. Oh man, I've had I've had I had five in five years. So this is this is nothing new to yeah. me. Yeah, I had three at Pitt and two at JMU. So I mean, yeah, that's, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, try to ask this earlier. What who is your coaches there right now? Yeah, we got Jim Hazlitt's head coach. June Jones is the OC, and Dan Morrison is the quarterbacks coach. So kind of all three guys who have kind of been with each other. I mean, June Jones's record speaks for itself. Just his track record, right where he's been. QBs, I mean, he, he's kind of been everywhere. Hazlitt played in the NFL, middle linebacker for 10 years. So all guys have kind of been around it, know what it takes, and are, are just trying to help guys in whatever way they can. Well, I got a question for you around that, Jordan. So these guys, June Jones, if I remember, he was he's an area guy, right? Like, yeah. going around. So when the XFL is developing, I don't know how early you were in on it, Jordan, when they're looking at that, they're trying to be an NFL development league, right? Is there any thought process around like the systems that they're going to run and the, and the coaches they're going to hire to train guys for that type of environment? Or is it more of just like, let's hire some of the best offensive minds and throw them out there. And you know what I mean? Because you, you get an air raid guy, like you've been in the air raid offense around the air raid offense before. I'm not sure if the terminology is different, but mine was ACE 95, you know, we're running ACE 95, 95, and we're getting out there and we're running quick. Is there any like thought behind the hiring of the different offensive coaches? I don't know. Okay. I wasn't a part of that. Any of those conversations that happened before I was here, but I think if you're trying to evaluate quarterback play, if you're trying to evaluate wide receiver skill position, tight ends, running backs and all that stuff, 
there's an argument to be made to say like, why would we run air raid if we're going to ask, you know, if we're a showcase for the NFL or we want NFL teams to look and see their player. The reality is, is like, if I want to evaluate a quarterback, I might have, you know, if he's doing a half roll, I might go, well, we don't half roll here, but I, I want to see him spread the ball around the field. I want to make him see him make good decisions. They're going to throw the ball a ton. So I think it's a value add. And for a guy like Ben, let's say Ben ends up the starter and playing at a high level all season. It's like, you might look at him running an air raid and an NFL team could say, we don't do that, but there's no question around whether or not Ben DiNucci can learn the offense, right? Cause he's been with the Cowboys. He's done this cool. So I actually love it for this because, you know, Ben, if I'm you, it's like, well, I'm not going to go 12 for 17. I know that. Yeah. I mean, shoot, I'll, I'll go out, I'll go out slinging. You're going to so. throw it all over the field. And so I'd rather <laughs> yeah, do that than yeah. run some NFL system. That's perfectly exactly what all these NFL teams do and then end up with 15 attempts. So I, I, I actually love it for this. And you know, what we're doing is focused on, there's all different ways to line up and drop back and all that stuff. But we look at everything through the lens of efficiency and, you know, tomorrow we're hitting, how do we actually half roll with efficiency and use the ground and all that stuff. So I, I just think like it ends up being a, you know, irrelevant and whoever's looking at tape of his team is going to be able to see a lot of wide receivers run a lot of routes, catch a lot of balls, a lot of offensive linemen getting their pass set, protect the bull rush work on a swim move, all that stuff. And the quarterbacks will drop back and throw it. So I love it. So how many games do you guys have? Do you guys have eight games? 10 games, potential, potential 12. Yeah. Is it playoffs? Two. Yeah. So potential 12. Yeah. Four, four, 14. So playoffs, what's this yeah. next month look like for you, Jordan? You said, well, you can go on it then, but you said that training camp starts January 8th. So you guys are out in Dallas right now working out for the next month. I will be. Yeah. Since I'm, I'm home base here. So I haven't had to, I haven't had to pick up shop or do anything. I've got a training facility that I use a few times a week. So in that, that regard, it'll be, it'll be good. But I think, yeah, these guys are just here for us. Like think about so. it's like a mini camp. We had a mini camp in September, yeah. October, November, and this is the mini camp in December. All right, Danute, a lot of XFL games coming up. Appreciate you taking the time to come on here quick. So you're going to go be working out with Jordan the next couple of weeks and then training camp coming up. I'm excited to watch XFL in the off season. I remember the first year when AAF came on, I was so psyched to watch AAF. Oh yeah. Everyone, everyone was watching that. I Dude. mean, it's, it's football. So, I mean, anytime that, anytime any football's off, people are like, all right, I got to watch. Do you remember, I know Mike Berkovici is one of my homies, but do you remember that hit on Mike Berkovici, like the first week where the linebacker came and his helmet flew like 30 yards in the air, bro? Uh, let's, let's hope that's not no, me or Steve. Like, we won this year. <laughs> no. But appreciate you coming on, dude. Wish you all the luck. We do one one game with every quarterback that we have on the show. It's called QB to QB. We have the quarterback before ask the next episode's quarterback a question. Started, yeah. started with Kirk Cousins. We had Cole actually answer our last question, so we're just going to have you ask the next quarterback a question. So the next guest we have on could be Joe Burrow, could be Caleb Williams, Max Duggan. What question do you have for the next quarterback? Mm, put me on the spot. Let's see what let's see what I can come up with here. Can be um, anything. Yeah, no, I gotcha. Let, let's do this. Would you rather have fingers for toes or toes for fingers, and why? Mm, I like that. That's I, good. I, this is a this is an interesting turn in the question. We've had cover zero. We've had game day superstitions. We've had <laughs> how to protect certain things. This is this is more. There you go. That's where, that's where I went with it. So hopefully, hopefully that opens up Pandora's box. Fingers for toes. Like if you have fingers for toes, do you also have fingers for fingers? Correct. Uh, the fingers. Okay. For, that's easy money. Fingers for toes. Can you imagine having a thumb? You'd be a monkey. You have a thumb on your freaking foot. That'd be. A- I think. Yeah, I think it'd be way easier to figure out what to do with these on your feet than toes on your hands. But if you yeah, had toes on your hands, then you could possibly run on all fours. You could do that. You never know. It's an interesting. I mean, I would wear sure. a size like twenty-seven shoe. I mean, with these guys, unless I'm walking around like, you know, wolf knuckle, kind of flex over here. You got fucking big feet. I got big hands, is what I'm saying. And yeah, yeah. I got fourteens plus ten, ten and a quarter. Well, Ben, thanks for coming on, man. Pumped to watch you do your thing and play. And appreciate it. Yeah, you no. know, I told you my story, man. I, I needed this league, and I think this is just this is perfect setup for guys like you, who, like who can play. Yeah, right. Just, just one is situation, whatever away. Like you said with Cooper Rush, it's like flip that just a hair, and it's like that dude. I mean, shoot, Kyle, you, you too. That's exactly same with me. Man. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My rookie year, I was P squad for the last eight weeks of the season, and then two guys got hurt in front of me, and I got to play in a game, you know. And then Cam yeah, gets hurt beautiful. the next year, and I played a bunch. It's it's all situation. It's just like I said, yeah. opportunities will come. You got to be ready for them. So excited for you, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Thanks for coming on, man.
Yeah, I appreciate it, guys, of course. All right, well, that was Cole McDonald and Ben DiNucci, two guys with interesting stories, different stories, but at this moment, they're at the same point. They're one of 24 quarterbacks in Dallas right now with my man Jordan trying to figure it out, trying to get some good tape out there, trying to get better, trying to figure out whatever it's going to take to get to the league. I thought that was a good question. You asked Jordan, you asked Ben, you said, what do you need to work on to get to the NFL? And I think a lot of these guys are looking in the mirror right now and thinking, all right, I wasn't good enough for the NFL. They didn't want me. What do I need to do to get better and put it on tape so they can get me? So that was really interesting to hear their point of views. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. I mean, the journey, man, I, I kind of started off in the beginning and I said, look, nobody can raise their hand right now and say, yes, I made it. I'm here. Finally, I'm in the XFL or any development league for that matter. And anybody in college might be stoked that they made it and first, you know, get a chance to graduate and get an education. But like, but that's not the end goal. Right. And so the reality is, is if you're out of the league and you're in this spot, there's some scar tissue. There's some resentment. There's some frustration. There's some anger. There's some embarrassment. You know, anybody who's watching this, who's ever, you know, talked shit in the comments section or left a note or tweeted something about how shitty somebody is like, I don't know that they like see all that and not everybody cares. But the reality is, is like, yeah, these are like young men who actually at some point hear that, feel that, see that we had a lot of hate and on some of the comments that I made or Kate McNamara made on, on last week's episode. And it's like, what guys like 20, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? And so what if I came to your job and watched you do this? So the idea of a journeyman and, and where these guys are at right now, it's there's some resolve there. There's some skin that gets thicker and thicker. And these guys got to come, you know, take that on, acknowledge that. Right. And, and, and take it for what it is and then set it to the side and move forward. And so whoever it ends up being one, two, three, whatever, however many guys come out of this and then end up playing in Sundays. And then whoever has a crazy story, the next Taylor Heineke or whatever, it'll be not necessarily the tallest or the biggest or the fastest. It'll be the guy that was able to do the most with everything that I just said, be able to have the most baggage and then check it and move forward. So I'm getting to know these guys very well. And I'm excited to see who, who, which of those guys it's going to end up being. It's going to be fun to watch. I always like watching football in February. That's one thing. The spring leagues have gave us is football in February. Could be good. Could be bad. We don't know. Yeah. Hopefully quarterback plays good. If it's not, it's going to be on, good. Since it's on you, if it's not good. So let's get that product looking good out That's there. That's kind of true actually. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, Jordan, what are you grateful for? We'll get out of here just real quick. What are you grateful for? You looked like you went to Disneyland the other day. That might be what you're grateful I for. I went to Disneyland yesterday, got on a plane, flew to Dallas late last night. Nice little 14 hour day today. No, it was my son's birthday. Ford man turned seven yesterday. And let's go for it. I told him this last night and I just said it. And then afterwards, I was like, gosh, like I'm glad I told him that. And it's so true. But like, best seven years of my life. He's my oldest. Best seven years of my life. Like, no questions asked. Hard to probably the hardest seven years of my life, but the best. So I am just so grateful for my children. How about you? Ford's getting big, dude. Seven. I remember giraffe training. When we took a picture outside the house on Beach Road, and I was holding him, and he could he couldn't even like walk at that point, bro. That was like remember fun. the video that like you put on Snapchat of him where yeah. he was like <laughs> whatever, like, and then like we would want all sit around and watch that video, you know, like. Oh yeah, the hell no! I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, we were at like my buddy's house, like three doors down, having like a barbecue, you know, and he was just like he was a baby, you know. Unbelievable. I think he might be the first child that I've like seen grow from being born until like an actual like real age where we can have conversations. It's pretty wild. So he's like can read and stuff. You know what I mean? It's crazy. He's like a kid now. (laughs) Uh, Wait, what's the normal reading age? Seven? Is it? Yeah. I mean, he's just like, he's not like the smartest kid in his class or anything like that, but like that they read in first grade and it's just like, it's a trip. He reads to me. It's just like, it trips me out. So he's about you. MA for sure. For me, it is the holidays. I am mm. for Christmas. Man, do I love me some fucking Christmas, man. Sorry. Mm-hmm. For, but the holidays are my favorite, man. It really bums me out to not be around my family during the holidays. We always do Christmases. Whenever the season is over, we'll go back to my parents and my fiance's parents' house and do Christmas Day. They leave the tree up for us and all the presents under there and they wait for us, which is awesome. But to be honest, like you've you've been through this. It's just it was you and Dottie, your wife forever doing your own Christmases and hotels and random cities. So like I just, we've kind of leaned into it and it's just an awesome experience to do it on our own. And, and I'm pumped. We got the tree all set up fake tree this year. I'm kind of bummed about that, but fake tree. I just love Christmas, man. I'm grateful for it. I will say this, man. So you guys engaged by yourselves on Christmas. I don't know what day of the week, you know, that the games are on on Christmas, but like 
you could have a game on the 26th, which means the 25th, you're going to have a quick little morning thing. And they go, and the thing is, is when it's like just you two, when you're playing in the NFL and it's, you don't have kids and your family's not around, like you wake up and then you open presents. It takes like eight minutes. Yeah, and then you're, you know what I mean? And then it's like along and as long as possible, Seven twenty. you know what I mean? AM. And so you do whatever. So I have two Christmases that are super memorable from when Dottie and I were in the same phase as you. So one is I was in Jacksonville and I just got connected with Nigu. So Children's Hospital, something Kyle and I, Kyle had his Nigu cleats on two weeks ago and yeah, Nigu band in there, whatever. And, and so, and we were in an extended stay hotel in Jacksonville and we didn't know anybody. You know what I mean? It was one of those things. Yeah. It's not like you hit up a guy on your team and be like, Hey, what are you guys doing tomorrow morning? Right. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to go to your house for Christmas. And <laughs> well, Thanksgiving. I had been doing Ronald McDonald house visits. And so we were like, we have nothing to do. We're going to wake up in the morning. We're going to open presents. It's going to take eight minutes. And so we just kicked it all day at this Ronald McDonald house, which is essentially where kids who were battling cancer go. And we did it. The idea was, Oh, wouldn't that be nice to give back? Mm-hmm. And it ended up being like, one of the most memorable Christmases I've ever had. It was so epic. It was so fun playing games with the kids all day. Like, oh my gosh, it's four o'clock already. Anyway, so that was one that I remember. The second one was I get signed in Tennessee with two games left in the season. So I land on like the 20th. Yeah. Right. Jake Locker tore his shoulder up. Charlie Whitehurst goes in to start. Forget the name of the coach. Hits me up. Ken Wisenhunt. Hey, can you come in and play kind of thing? And So we go to, this might sound bad, but we go to a church service downtown Nashville and we're saying, I'm standing in like the Hilton downtown on like Broadway Mm -hmm. and the whole, it's a ghost town. And it's like, let's find a cool old church and go to a church service. You know what I mean? I've been here four days. So Ubering around. And so we go to this church service and it was a little different at school. It was like, oh, that was awesome. Like, let's just go walk around. It's cold. I think it was like starting to snow and we just walk down Broadway. There's nobody out there, right? The main street until we get to Tootsie's. (laughs) <laughs> and we're like, damn, Tootsie's is going off right now. What's going on? And we walk in there and it was, and we ended up being friends with everybody in there, but it ended up being like, there's a couple of people that are military, right? And they're just stationed and they're just here. There's a couple of Jewish people, right? And we kick it. We all ended up one big group and there's just, and then there's a couple of random people that might've been in town for business. And it was just like 20 people. We just ended up having this great <laughs> night. We didn't rage or anything. We just like had this just super memorable Christmas Eve. And yeah. it's like, who's at Tootsie's on, a, on Christmas Eve? And it was like, I don't know, but we were. <laughs> and so I'll just yeah. like, and then we got up in the morning and we did that. And then actually our friends, our best friends from Cincinnati were Jewish. And so we actually got up in the morning. We had our little Christmas in our hotel room. And then they drove in town from Cincinnati and we like kicked it at the hotel all day and did Hanukkah <laughs> with them. And it was just like, it was just like, I told, I'll never forget that Christmas for sure. Make so, it work. That's awesome. <clears throat> all right. Appreciate yeah. Still here in the episode, like and subscribe to the channel. Got a lot of good stuff coming up, like we said, college football playoff, NFL playoffs. We're going to try and get the best cast for you guys. Thanks for joining us this week. We will see you next week. Thank you.